Welcome to the Battle Ready Podcast. My name is Aaron McManus, and I am here with my father. I'm Erwin McManus, and it's good to be here. It is good to be here. Here we go. Let's unwrap this. Something happened last week. Some might call it a train wreck. (laughs) Some might have called it the long-lost season of Game of Thrones. Mm. Some might call it the long-lost episode of Jerry Springer. I will call it the singular most embarrassing moment in our nation's history. Watching former Vice President Joe Biden and our current president, Donald Trump, talk in public together. Their first debate. Their first debate. Was it even a debate, though? If 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 one candidate doesn't let the other candidate talk, well, I, I don't know if they debate? were debating, but I do know it was debasing. What's debasing? Is that the right word? Yeah. Okay. Belittling. It was uh, beneath us. You know how you go to Thanksgiving, and you see those people you don't want to see. Yeah, they're your family. <laughs> those people. <laughs> That it does not matter how old you are, if you're a 35-year-old man, when you go back home to your mom's kitchen, she treats you like Donald Trump treated Joe Biden and Joe Biden treated Donald Trump. It was embarrassing. It was disgusting. I was ashamed, and I don't know what quite happened. Like, nothing real was said. There wasn't really any substance in the entire debate, I, I I I watched it, but I I'm not good at watching movies that make you cringe. Whenever there's a character, you know, you know those movies where the character is unaware so you, yeah, of what yeah. they're doing. So you mean the the movie called um, <laughs> called 2016 to 2020? <laughs> yeah. Well, the 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 debate felt like one of those movies where the characters are unaware of how they're coming across. And I felt so anxious, and I, I, I just had this anxiety watching them, and it was painful. Painful. Re- regardless of where you fall on the pol- political divide or spectrum, you just have to have a sense of disappointment of where our country has gone and the kind of conversations we consider now to be debates. yes. I'm, We're speechless. I'm this speechless. <laughs> I'm speechless. We we had dinner. Mm-hmm. We cooked. We recorded it. We watched it. We had a few friends over and to watch it. Mm-hmm. And it was appalling. Like we were rewinding moments where it was who could make the other one look worse by talking more. And I think and and Chris Wallace, uh, he, he just could not rein it in. It was. It was tragic for him as a moderator, and and I and I, I think he did the best he could. And but did he it, retire from being a moderator? I, I think he's probably in therapy now because I think he just experienced psychological abuse for nearly two hours. And yeah, so let's let's talk about it. People are distraught of, over this. Yes, and I have friends um, who are on the far left and friends who are on the far right. I don't mean just off center left and just off center right. I mean, I have friends who are as extreme on both ends of the spectrum as possible, even um, in the way that they, uh, even over the years on my board, and I've had uh, people on the full political spectrum. So I'm one of those people that 
I genuinely respect people and try to understand them and work with them on every side of the, the situation. But I did not find anyone who walked away from that experience going, wow, that was great. Right. I mean, everybody that I know walked away and they felt like it was, they, were, they were just shell-shocked from what happened during that um, encounter. So here you are, you're, you're in your early 30s. What, what is like your generational feel of what's happening to American politics? Yeah. Because you have friends who are liberal and conservative both. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think one thing, one, doing this podcast really helps me. Growing up with you really helps me. You help me see a bit of both sides. You, you've always taught me to ask questions to both. You want to accurately understand whether it's your enemy or your, 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 um, your opponent. You, you, gotta, you have to fight for his case and also destroy his case. You need to understand his philosophy, his ideology, and then just be able to destroy it and to counteract it. Mm-hmm. I was on the phone with a young guy. He's one of my good friends. I'll leave him I'll leave him nameless. He knows who he is. You know who you are. But we talked about it for maybe half an hour on the phone. He texted me, hey, I'm, I'm really upset about last night, about the debate. Um, how do I process this? How do I process this being in music? How do I process this being a part of church, about a part of being a social influencer, part of you know being a faith person, a Jesus person? How do I process? And he's far left, which is interesting. Right. And, and the person he loves, his girlfriend, is is more far right. More far right. And she's awesome. And so and they're but, both amazing. And they're both amazing. And they hear, and just even like they're they're open about it. So, but hearing what they heard, they both heard their candidate win. Mm, I heard both candidates lose. I heard our country losing. <laughs> the, like yeah. I wish we could. Yeah. Like at what point? Did, like at what point in the American? political process are these two our only options well yeah i think that's the first thing that entered my mind was um shame on us that these are the two best candidates we have i'm not saying that that if you like them you're a bad person i'm just saying that um you know they're both in their 70s and uh, where, where is that that emergent generation of even like 40 year olds and 50 year olds who um, are cutting new ground and paving the way and having new uh, fresh ideas and and are attacking issues from from directions that we've never even thought before is the political system so clogged by corruption that you have to be 70 something to be nominated because even if it wasn't Joe Biden if it was Bernie Sanders he's in his 70s almost 82 and I'm, I'm if it wasn't Donald Trump it would have been Mitt Romney and and who looks young compared to them and is I no, guess he's like, the same age. He's, and yeah, and I think and so there's something wrong yeah. in with the political system. Is but, it wrong because it's just old white men running it? Or it, is it wrong because it's just old people running it? Or is it wrong because it just they seem so out of touch with reality or even just a young generation or even just the future of America? That I think that's the thing that scares me. There's so it's all fear it's all fear mongering. Mm-hmm. From the left or the right, and you can disagree with this. You probably will. I stand by it. It's so much fear mongering. This is who this person. This is what this person is going to do to our country. Yeah. And this is what this person is going to do to our country. Opposed to going. This is where we should both be going together. What happened to the American ideal? Where's that dream? Yeah. Like we're the land of the free-ish. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I felt like uh, both sides were trying to hit the, the fear button. Uh, Trump is hitting the fear button of you're a socialist and Biden's hitting, hitting, hitting the fear button of you're a white supremacist. And both of them know that those words create a level of anxiety and fear from their bases. And, um, and it, I, one of my friends who's a conservative texts me and he said, because uh, he was really distraught, why do you think Trump didn't just openly denounce white supremacy in the KKK? And, and I told my, uh, I said, look, I can show you at least five places in public where Trump has openly and publicly denounced white supremacy and the KKK. Even dating back 2016 yeah. to, to so, now. Yeah. So, it, it's, so that isn't really why. The reason for my perception is that Trump is so arrogant, he couldn't allow himself to be forced to say something to look like he was weaker. And so when Chris Wallace is a moderator and Biden is, you know, Egemont saying, what about um, the, um, um, the Proud Boys? I actually think it wasn't that he couldn't say it. It's that he can't find him within himself to say what he needs to say because sometimes he's his worst enemy. And the same way with Joe Biden, when, when Trump was talking, calling him a socialist, attaching the Bernie Sanders and everybody else, and, and you know, and, 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 and Trump said, why can't you just, you can't even say law and order. Why didn't Biden just go law and order, law and order, law and order? It's because neither one of them can um, actually stand in those moments and just realize you're being baited to an extreme. And if you could just take a path of humility, I mean, it would have been so easy for President Trump to go, I denounce white supremacy and the KKK and any organization that is racist in this nation. I mean, just a week ago, he's saying the KKK should actually be denounced as a, as a hate organization. Why didn't he say that? It's, it's that arrogance. I'm just going to say that. And then when you look at, at you know, Joe Biden, who, you know, you, he has to either he has to decide, you know, the Democratic Party does have a strong bent toward socialism. And he need, but he needs to say, hey, look, there are people in our party who are socialists and there are others who are moderate Democrats and there are others who are conservatives who don't like you. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. and, you know, and, 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 just say, and he needs to stay in his positions. I, I think a part of the problem is that um, we're no longer capable of discourse. We can't respect each other when we disagree. And, you know, so you have Trump interrupting Biden on top. You have Biden calling Trump a clown and telling him to shut up. Like, we calling the president of the United States a, a clown, clown. It, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah, and we w couldn't even imagine that. Yeah, just a few years ago, and well, we're no longer talking about policies. We're no longer talking about positions that matter. We're no longer talking about how to solve um, huge problems. And and uh, as a society, uh, we're just trying to. It's almost like we decided we need to get in the mud, and whoever doesn't drown in the mud fight is going to be our leader. I think it became. I think it's so focused on winning, right? I guess that makes sense. It's a it's a presidential election. But both parties are so focused on winning, they'll do anything at all cost to win. And anything at all cost is a distraction from what do we need to do and what is the cost to achieve greatness as a country. To not just achieve greatness as a country, but to achieve greatness as a as a as a human race. Mm -hmm. 
the history of this country was built on this ideal of, of freedom. Mm-hmm. And so for us to go back on it and to live in a place where, and what I mean by going back on it is we're living now in a place where we're no longer free because we can't run away from this terrible thing that's happening in front of us. We can't walk away. And, 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 every, and every, this is the interesting thing because like, you know, I drove three and a half hours in traffic my freshman year of college, sophomore year of college, because it was the first year I could vote. So I was 20. It was the first year I could vote. So I think I had voted something in 18. I think it, was, it must have been for whatever the, the, every, the every other year is. Um, but then for 20, it was my first presidential election. I drove three and a half hours. And I voted for someone that I didn't think was ended up being the, the best. But I voted for someone that I felt was achieved the things that I wanted and a good man, elegant, um, incredibly educated, incredibly kind, and was going to take the country in a, in a place, in a hopeful place. Given now, I look back and I'm like, did he achieve the things that he said he was going to do? I don't know. But I don't look back and go, okay, that, that president, I don't ever, I think I never look back and go, that was a horrible president because of X, Y, and Z being let down. I go look back and go, okay, who's going to be the next person who's going to take what that person achieved and actually make it even greater than it is now? We look at like what Trump's achieved, we're just in an economy, right? Like it's probably one of the only things that we can talk about positively about, about you know, we're going to make some people mad. But, but if you were to take that, like why can't Joe Biden go, I want to take the economy and what he's done? Like why can't he say he's done an incredible job? That was a moment to me that really bothered me. There's also a lot of moments with, with President Trump when he like, you know, just demeaned Joe Biden's son. Yeah, that, that, that for moment me for like, me was unacceptable. That's when I stopped. And um, I, my stomach was in turmoil. And I, I, felt, I felt anger and disgust. Anger. He also got baited. Yeah, he did get baited. He got baited. But baited. Just because you get baited doesn't mean you have to take the bait. You're, 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 you're a president. 100%. So don't take the bait. Be presidential. Be. <laughs> and rise above whatever the bait is. And and you know, I don't want Joe Biden to make the decision that going low is the only way to beat Trump. I, I, I want him to go high. I think that was Michelle Obama who said, when they go low, we go high. And I'm like, please go high. Even if you lose, go high. Because if you both go low, no matter who wins, we lose. I, I, I just, I need someone to say, I would rather lose high than win low. And that's the only way our country's ever going to go forward is somebody says, we're going to just keep going high because eventually this country is going to make a decision to choose the higher aspects of human dignity uh, than than to be bottom dwellers and our political system and our government structure is archaic. We're at it. We're at a level now in which what we've created does not actually hold our culture and our population well, because we can't even tackle things like universal health care in a proper way because they were never going to achieve that with three hundred million people. But if we were to achieve universal health care, but actually like the entirety of Earth, that we care about every single human being on a level in which getting medical care and dental work is as important as breathing, mm-hmm. right? Like, we, and don't necessarily put an economic value behind it, but actually put a, a human value behind that we should help every human live as long as they possibly can in the best 
way of life. We don't actually tackle these 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 issues and these policies and from a humanity standpoint. We we tackle them from a who is going to make money, who is who is lobbying who, and it just feels like our government system has been completely compromised by this mentality. I I feel that we're in a bad in a bad global moment because the world is watching us. Jeez, it's like watching a divorce happen. Yeah, it, it is. In and, the house, and everyone's the kids. Yeah, and and no matter where you are in the spectrum, I do think that if you look at style and methodology, what, and I'm going to say President Trump because I'm going to say with respect. Sorry, I, I don't. I also don't mean, I've been using them, their first names. Yeah. I, I established in the beginning. I no. do see them as Vice President Joe Biden and President Trump. Yeah. I apologize. But I do think President Trump has brought in a an approach of debate that uses bullying, demeaning, and character assassination. You attack the person, not the idea. And that has changed the texture of debates. And we have to find a way to return. And by the way, I was going to say this is the problem. Do you feel like he started that? um, No, I think there's always been a, a thin history of it. But you you could you could get away with it if it was ten percent of your strategy. Right. I think President Trump turned it into ninety percent of his strategy. So maybe that's you know because there's you know, you know you 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 can see it all the way back with Clinton and and the first President Bush. You can see it all the way back to you know to Kennedy and Nixon. You can, when you know right. as soon as, soon as we went on television, something you know was yeah. there. But I do think that the, maybe the ratio has changed to now. It's it just feels that there's no um, there's no honor left in the process. There's no respect and no, even self respect because I I feel like the way you attack another person's argument or you attack the other person says more about you than it says about the other person. Yeah, and uh, so I, I feel like we need to talk about this because it, it's like the giant pimple on our nose right now. And uh, as a as a culture, and if we don't talk about it, even if we don't even know fully what to say, we need to bring this into this conversation. Because I wanted to go back on a personal level. That couple, he's liberal, she's conservative, they're dating. You're watching a debate where you have to despise the person on the other side. And I think it actually affects interpersonal relationships with people. Because we're not having modeled to us how to have respectful dissent. Uh, and I, I don't have the details of it, but I did notice this on on Twitter where someone uh, who's fairly famous tweeted something about um, if you support Trump, then you can stop following me. And then another cyclist actually responded by, and he lost his job. Wow. And for quote, um, dissenting divisive tweets. The, the person who decided to unfollow. Th- that responded by saying bye. Wow. And well, wait a minute. The divisive tweet wasn't, if you support Trump, you can unfollow me. The, un- the divisive tweet was bye. And I'm sitting here, see, my argument is neither one of those are tweets that you should lose your job for. You should actually be allowed to speak your mind, have a position. But what we're in a moment right now where, and this is why I think Trump won the first time, is because we're in a we, we're in a culture where if you support the the other candidate, 
you can get bullied, demeaned, and blackballed. And you cannot change people's minds if you're trying to force your thinking on them. If you really think you can win the, the battle of ideas, then you have to fight over the ideas. You have to present a better picture and a better plan for the future. I think what we saw this past week is that neither candidate has a better view or, or a clearer understanding of how to create a better future. So they're attacking each other, destroying each other, and they're, they're creating a culture of division that uh, is going to go way beyond politics. Yeah, I think we've, we've figured out from this last week's debate that we have two horrible candidates and we have a great country. I'm someone who believes you don't walk away. This is family. You don't, you, don't, you don't get to choose them, but you also don't walk away from them. And, and, I'm, and I'm also someone who's always going to support our leader, our leaders, our leadership, even when I don't like them. I think it's something to my own character, and not saying that I think it's something I've had to grow into my own character to go. This is still our house. This is still mm-hmm. our country. I don't like them, but I'm not going to go to another part of the country and go. You know, I'm sorry for it. I do. I did actually. I was in London, and I said I'm an American, and I'm sorry. And will you please let us come back? And but but I do think I do think um, there's at some point we've got to make a change in how we do things and who gets elected. Not just who gets elected, but who is in this process. Like, wh- we have some of the brightest minds on the West Coast. And so, right, because a horrible candidate is not necessarily a horrible person. Sometimes they're just not the right person for that moment. I think Joe Biden, Vice President Joe Biden, was is an incredible person. I actually really like him. Mm-hmm. I think he'll be a horrible president. I think our our president is horrible. He has done some things, but I'm also able to like. I think I'm also able to see what when people do good things on both sides. Yeah. You know? And but I'm like, how did we let this one happen? <laughs> so well, I, I swing pendulum swing on like There okay. is a rule that I still hold to. Yes. A people always get they always get the leader they deserve. <sighs> and so if we don't like who we have, we need to <laughs> we need to look in the mirror because oh. that's who we deserve. Yes. And you know, I remember people criticizing me because I was so respectful and supportive of President Obama. And yeah. I remember saying to them... It was an honor to get to vote for President Obama. I was equally respectful of President Bush. And and then when I say I was equally respectful of President Bush, people would get angry at me going, I, wait a minute, how could you be respectful of President Bush? And I said, when no one else was, I was equally respectful of yes. President Clinton. And and when yes. no one else was, I was equally respectful to President Bush before that. And, and when everyone turned their back on Clinton, you were one of the, the few people that were in a small group that, that went to go meet with them and talk with them. That's right. When I had because the opportunity you, to sit in a room with them for hours and have a conversation, I said, absolutely. After the scandal, after the, the stuff. Yeah. It is an interesting place to be because I the conversation I had with my young friend was, look, we, we love you and we trust you and you obviously have a pretty, he's a pretty large social media following and he's mm-hmm. a pretty awesome voice and he's also part of our team and 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 I was like look you 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 live in both worlds which is why this is actually so important for you but I have a really good friend or a, a kind of a, a decently good friend but uh, and I noticed that that there there um it was a guy and a girl and they both posted instead of posting angry Instagrams and this was my mm-hmm. point to my other friend I said instead of being angry could you please just Tell them to do something, like vote. Drive people to vote. Drive people to change. 
because I'm like, we don't need another angry person on Instagram making a joke about how bad it is. We actually genuinely need change and we need some young people to be so inspired to commit their lives to actually bringing healthy change to our country. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't seem like the generation right now is doing it. No, but it's also you, we don't know how to cooperate when um, we lose. And when, when President Trump was elected the first time, there was massive protesting, I think mostly women's groups at that time. Okay. And overwhelmingly, when people were being interviewed, the people protesting didn't vote. Didn't vote. I have so many young friends in L.A. who would go to all of the marches all of the protests. And when I asked them who they voted for, they said we didn't vote. And they were, and a lot, of, we get a lot of people in LA who are from other places. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you're at, like, if you're from LA and you live in California, you pretty much, it's pretty much always been a blue state. The only time it's been a red state right. is when Reagan came. So I'm like, you didn't vote, so it's, it's on you that we have this right. situation. Right, and, and I saw generationally, it was the first time your generation yeah. um, didn't get what it wanted. so you got two um well my generation did no because well they had two administrations of obama and and people were very excited about that and then when they got trump it was the first time they didn't get what they wanted right right, yeah sure and so um you don't really learn about a person when when they get what they want you learn about a person when they don't get what they want yeah you don't yeah you learn about someone when they lose and you know, and so I'm looking at going, this is interesting because this is a good podcast to come up before the election. Because if President Trump wins, um, will there be rioting, violence, protesting? Will there be anarchy across our nation? I think so. If President Biden, if Biden becomes president, well, I was a little predictive there. Yeah. And uh, if Vice President Biden becomes president, will there be violence, rioting, protesting, and destruction? I think so. I don't and, think it will change. And the great danger now is to see is that we have now a society what, where. What do you think, though? Real quick, do you think it, it will be the same both ways, or do you think? I'm I'm anxious, and I don't want to say what I really think. Um. Oh no! Okay, so do, okay, so maybe you don't need to say it, but unpack that. Why can't you say what you really think? Because if I say what I really think. Um, half of our audience won't listen to us anymore and half of our audience will misunderstand me. Because I, the ones who will be for me will not understand that I'm not really for that. And the well, ones- I mean, people who are listening are definitely <laughs> confused because I've said positive things about our current president. I've said some, some positive things about our previous president and I've also said some negative things about both. So Yeah, yeah I, I, I think that... Um, what you're saying, though, is you can't say what you really feel because you know that that isn't how the world works anymore. It doesn't work that way anymore, and um, and I'm I, I want everyone on both sides to keep listening because I, I want to because I subversively no it's not subversive if I'm saying it out loud no it's not, I don't I think want it's to change the way you think to not be so narrow minded yeah I don't think and, uh, I, yeah I don't think it's yeah. subversive I think it's it is a it is a sub narrative and yeah. a goal yes yeah, of ours on this podcast yeah. to challenge thinking yeah absolutely we should do a, we should do an episode where you break down the truth between both candidates. After the election, I would love to have lots of conversations about... Um, no, they need, they need to know now <laughs> how to do this. 
Yeah, because what, because what, wait, no, because this is why because because there are people out there, and you know who you are, who are posting on Instagram and Twitter and and wherever saying vote your faith. And when you're in LA, people are saying it's a very different reality than when you're in the middle of America, and they're saying vote your faith. Yeah. It just it, 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 people in the middle of America genuinely don't see it. The coasts see both, I think, because they hear about both. But but I think the middle of America doesn't see necessarily the the other the the, the coast as much. Okay. Um, I would say this is important. Most of the healthy thinking about society is closer to the tension of the middle. But what happens, and this is a conversation that we had with some of the Biden campaign people, was if the only people you have in the room are the people pulling you to the left, whenever you lose, the solution is go further to the left. And then you lose, so you go further to the left. Then you lose, you go further to the left. For eight years, the conservatives lost. So they went further to the right. Then they lost, they went further to the right. Then they lost, they went further to the right. The reason we're having a white supremacist socialist conversation is because both parties have allowed the extreme fringes of culture to dictate their future rather than having the courage to say, both levels of extremism are destructive to the future of our society. And what we need to do is have a room where the best thinkers from both sides of the table are having a conversation together and making the world better. It is truly remarkable to me that neither party has groomed the next candidate. And that's, you can see the, the unhealth, unhealth, lack of health, lack of health in both parties when you look at who's running the next four years later. Like at what point did, did you not just think we should bring someone young, diverse, incredibly intelligent, incredibly humble and confident to, to groom them to be the next person? But they haven't quite figured that out yet, have they? Mm-hmm. It's very interesting because almost everywhere else knows that y- you can't have the same James Bond forever. You've got to <laughs> build a new one up. He said, Daniel Craig forever. <laughs> yeah, you can't have the same James Bond. Yeah, you can't. Daniel you Craig. Can, you can, you can, Daniel I'm going to have to push back on that one, Aaron. <laughs> you, I mean, you, um, you, what's a great example? What's a good example? Batman. Oh, but... You can't have the same Batman, even though you had Michael Keaton and you had George Clooney and... <laughs> ben Affleck. And ben Affleck. Robert Pattinson and Christian Bale. Um, yeah, no. All I'm saying is that it does feel like the, like the lines of succession, they, they're not healthy and they're not clear enough. And they, neither party seems interested in mentoring the future. It seems like you pay your dues, you you work for 30 years, and then maybe you get a shot to do this. I'm just, I, I want to pull back just a minute and go, as much as you do not like Donald Trump, I'm not saying this to you, I'm saying to anyone who's listening, all Republicans are not Donald Trump. No. And as much as you do not like Bernie Sanders or AOC or Hillary Clinton, and I'm not saying Joe Biden. Because I don't think people dislike Joe Biden. I, everybody kind of, yeah. The, the Democratic Party is not those individuals. Okay. And if you can't see beyond the extremes of the parties, we're going to have 20 years, 30 years of Donald Trumps, whether they're liberals or conservatives. And 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 I I think that a huge part of the problem is that we're losing a society where free thinking is permitted. 
we're not allowed to say, hey, wait a minute, it seems like there's some economic strategies here on the right that are working, or maybe, uh, I don't know, some approach toward whatever it is, um, housing or poverty. And it seems that there's some really great ideas here on environmentalism and and on, on social justice on the left. And it seems like if we got in a room and brought some of this thinking together, um, that, okay, we need to make sure companies make money, but we need to make sure we're protecting the environment. We got to get these people in the room together and that we can actually have a greater group think if we could stop demeaning and diminishing each other and actually start respecting each other and believing everyone's trying to make the world better. And um, in this debate, since that's what we're talking about, was the lowest level of thinking I have ever seen in a presidential debate. And what concerns me is that it's going to create a momentum no matter who becomes president. When Vice President, former Vice President Biden said, I am the Democratic Party. I wanted to just scream at the TV and say, that's not true. The party has to be bigger and more than you. It's okay that there are people in your party who disagree with you, who hold different views. What you should have said is, that's the, that's the beauty of our party. It's so wide and so diverse and so expansive that there are many different views here. But my party has elected me with my views that are going to guide our party. And, and when you look at the Republican Party, if you're, th if you're throwing everyone under the racist bus, everyone who's pro-Trump is a racist, you're missing that there are many policies and many approaches toward governing and toward creating society that Republicans really value, not because they're racist. Maybe they're stomaching that identification because they believe so strongly in other policies. And we've got to find a way to return to a society of mutual respect. Yes. I, I would say this, though. I have a hard time with, with this with the with the left and the right in understanding both parties in this way, I actually don't know a single Republican conservative that's a racist. Like I, I genuinely don't. Like I, I also live in LA and there's extremely diverse, mm -hmm. and not even secretly, like people whose hearts that I know who are Republican conservative, yeah. whether they're from here or not, but they live here now. I don't know a single racist in that regard. But I do know a lot of people on the left, a lot of young people on the left, who are super angry all the time about everything in politics. And I, and I wonder, and I asked you this a while back when we were looking at the ratings of, of who's number one in the country and news, and also that's a joke because they, no one's actually giving the facts. It's all, it's all a feeling. It's all a feeling and, and, and an opinionated, biased account of what's going on, a biased account of what's going on in the country. But I look at it and I go, this is the point. I, I, I do think sadly, and, and not sadly, I'm trying to watch my words. The right is set up to have longevity in a way that the left does not. And I was listening to, and this is why I think this, I was listening to an interview with Sam Harris, who would call himself a true Democrat, saying that the Democratic Party is being completely destroyed by how many different people it represents inside of its own party. Right. And, it, and he wasn't, it wasn't an indictment on any specific people it represents. It was saying, we have cared more about Latino issues as individuals, gay rights as individuals, um, what is it, uh, uh, abortion, right to choice as individuals. We've, we've created all of these like very monolithic groups inside of an organization and no one can get along. 
and that's he's like is literally he's like that's why we're our self-destructing as a party. His breakdown he's far more intelligent than me. His breakdown's brilliant. And then you're like, and then he goes, and then the right has figured it out. They've got like three things that they're all for. And it makes it so much easier to agree with. And I'm like, man, sometimes it does make sense why you want to go to the place where it's just easier to order. You know what you're getting and you know what you're ordering versus like all of these other sub text, sub values that you aren't as familiar with. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, I think most political analysts would say that the Republican Party probably has had a more viable long-term structure than the Democratic Party. Okay, but and, what about you? you know, well, and part of the, what's fascinating to me is that there are more Democrats in America than there are Republicans, so Republicans can't win unless re- Democrats vote for them. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, so you can't, you can't win as a Republican without Democrats voting for you, but you can win as a Democrat without Republicans voting for you. Right. So part of what needs to, you know, there should be some reflection going, how are we losing people who identify themselves with us? And so I do think that that sense of identity politics hurts the Democratic Party. Okay, so what do you, but what do you think? Well, I think I'm sharing a little bit of what I think. I think what you're doing is sharing what other people think. (laughs) And uh, I think that when you try to say you're reflective of everyone, you become reflective of no one. And that you have to be driven more by principles than you are by opinions. And whichever party figures out what what principles will better guide our future is a party that's going to do well in the years to come. But, you know, I have to say right now, I mean, I, I'm now six decades plus old, and I never thought that we would be here. I never thought our nation would be in this situation. I did see, that, I noticed that there was, a, of all the polls out of the debate, the one poll where Trump did better than Biden, because I think probably in most polls, I think Biden did better, was uh, with Telemundo, I think, with the Latin um, audience, Spanish-speaking audience. Interesting. And I, 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 I think that a part of the reason for that is anyone in Latin America one um, would would choose to be against socialism and would probably embrace anything else to keep that from becoming a part of American society. And because they've seen it destroy Central America. And, and South America, yeah. yeah. You know, and, um, and, and I think that's why this is such a bad moment because it's, it's a polarization of two extremes. And even when you call it democratic socialism, it means you're voting in socialism. It doesn't make it better. It just um, makes it um, pliable to our system. And and I, I, you know, I'm a person. I believe in a meritocracy. Like I believe in freedom. I want a society where I can work hard and decide my own worth. Um, you know, so I, yeah, I probably fall more in that libertarian spectrum of things. Yeah. Uh, in in the way yeah. I, I see life. Uh, I would say with with a deep sense of compassion and equity to help people who are trapped in poverty have opportunities that they would not otherwise get. And I feel like our society's responsibility is to create a world where everyone has a chance to live a better life. Um, and I, but I don't even know if we're having that conversation anymore. Right. I don't. I don't even know if our country 
is capable of having conversations that will make us better. And that's why a part of me feels really saddened. Um, and I don't see in the foreseeable future that things are going to get easier. Um, I do think that if you have a better political structure, oh, back to your other question, I, I look at it and go, a president can only be president for eight years max, maybe four years. So I, I see the presidency as a temporary problem and a temporary solution. I, I, so I never feel catastrophic, you know, when a president wins. It's like when I went to get my hair cut in West Hollywood after Trump won the first time and my hair uh, dresser said, uh, Losing it. She, she lost her mind and she goes, this is the worst moment in U.S. history. And I looked at her and I said, I just don't think it's the worst moment in U.S. history. I think that there have been worse moments, like, you know, right before the Civil War, that would have been a really bad moment during, you know, the moments before the Civil Rights, um, you know, revolution in the 60s. That was a pretty bad moment. I think that a lot of people who are black or Latino or ethnic minority, the, the Japanese who are put in, in concentration camps in the U.S. during World War II, even though they're American citizens, would be a worse moment. I think right now we have this extremism saying this is the worst moment. It's not the worst moment. And if instead of protesting, you would actually educate yourself and organize yourself and vote, this, I think this, um, this country would actually function better. And, um, and I see these billboards that say, if you could vote for this video of a cat dancing, you can vote for president. And I'm like... I don't know if I want the person voting for a cat dancing to vote for president. I'm not really one of those people who thinks that everyone should vote. I think every thoughtful, educated person should vote. I, I, I don't think groupthink is the best thing in the world. I don't think majority rule is the best idea. I think that um, a part of the reason this country is set up as a republic is because it's going, if you're not thoughtful and educated, if you don't care about the issues, I'm not trying to get you to vote. I'm trying to get you to First, pay attention, educate yourself, take responsibility, and then make it your moral responsibility to make this country better. And so I, I take my right to vote um, as a privilege. I also take it as a responsibility. And I try to rarely cop out of it saying, well, I just don't have a good candidate. You're never going to have a perfect candidate. And that's why you can't vote for individuals. You have to vote for policies and principles. You have to look beyond that and go, where do you want this country to go long term? And I'm honestly, it irritates when people go vote your faith and they think it's going to cause everyone to vote a certain way. It's an embarrassment to me. Do not vote your faith. Your faith is not a vote. Live your faith. Your faith is about following Jesus. Your faith is not about voting Republican or voting Democrat. Your faith is not about policies. Your faith is not about issues. I feel that that's demeaning to what Jesus died on the cross to accomplish. Jesus died on the cross so that we could have a relationship with God and have freedom in the world within us. And um, vote your convictions, vote your policies, um, you know, vote for whatever party you think is going to create a better world for everyone, but stop acting like you're voting your faith. Jesus didn't die on the cross so you could vote. He died on the cross that so you could serve and live your life so that others could live. Yeah, so shout out to every religious leader manipulating people by saying, vote your faith. Let's get beyond that one. Because that, to me, diminishes what Jesus did on the cross. If Jesus rose from the dead, 
It was not so that you would get out there and vote. Jesus rose from the dead so you get out there and serve, love humanity, and bring hope to the world. I think it's over now. Thank you so much for listening. You can rate and review this podcast on iTunes. Um, I want to thank my dad for that passionate, passionate ending. And thank you so much for just pouring it out there today. And I'm so grateful for your brain, for your mind, your heart, and your soul. And um, and being my dad and also just being such an incredible thought leader. Um, you're angry about this and you're frustrated. And I'm excited to open this back up when I get back. Yeah, I, I have... As a citizen, so much I want to say. And as a follower of Jesus, I'm reminded what the Bible says, all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. And I want to say the things that are beneficial, even though I'm permitted to say anything I want. And I... Um, I, I, I don't hold that as <laughs> well as you do. And that's why I know it frustrates you, but I'd, I'd rather speak more freely after the election so that people know that I'm speaking to culture, So then maybe this is what parties. I, this is what I would like for you to commit then. I would just like for you to commit maybe breaking down both candidates at some point, positively and negatively in both directions to teach people how to understand people. But also, I think the truth between us, you've done it with different faiths. I think it would be amazing yeah. to do it with, within politics. But I also think it's necessary because I do think we have a generation who thinks and feels. They call the next gener- this next generation, was it, it's a feelings over facts. That is 100% something that, that the generation before you put, in, put in, 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 into motion. Mm-hmm. Because everything right now political is, is feeling over fact. It's hard to figure out what the actual facts are. And that's why we joke about quoting science or history or these like vague monolithic like subjects where it's like, where did that actually, where was that studied and then cross-checked and then, and mm-hmm. then you know, p- contextualized and then r- destroyed and then built back up. And then uh, anyways, here we are. We're going to get into this. And I'm so excited for this podcast now that we have opened that door with you. I cannot wait. So you are listening to the Bad Ready Podcast. This is probably Friday's episode. This could be Tuesday's episode, but if whatever it is, we're going to be back next Tuesday, and I'm so, so, so excited. And if you're a person of faith, then pray for Joe Biden and pray for Donald Trump. Both of them. Pray for both of them, because uh, that's how you should actually use your faith. And then you should also um, go vote based on what candidate you believe and what party you believe will create a better America, a better future. And, and then on top of that, we need to learn to respect people who disagree, who vote differently than us, and stop demonizing people simply because they don't agree with us. We need a culture where we're allowed to think, we're allowed to disagree, and through dissension, we can create a better world. All right. You heard it here. See you soon. All right. That's why it's called Battle Ready. Okay, goodbye. (laughs) Good talk to you guys.